Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, everyone. It's so nice to have you here. This is USA Global TV and Radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck. I'm the president, founder, and chief listening officer here at our network. Our show today is the amazing adventures of Lady Ella, the listening mentor. And you can see the book right here next to me. This book is going to be available for purchase. It is a book in tribute to teaching children and their family members the joys of elevated listening. You can find it on Amazon, available November 26th, or here in the United States, we call that Black Friday, one of the biggest shopping days of the year. Okay, the reason why we do this show is to introduce everyone to the idea of elevated listening. On this book cover that you see next to me, there are animal characters. Each of these animal characters represents a real human being, someone who believes in the importance and the vitality of listening at an elevated level. These animal characters and their human compadres are elevated listeners who've been certified in the Power of Listening course that I have developed and offer to each and every one of you across the world. My mission is to have each and every one of us understand, practice, and acknowledge listening without judgment, listening without interruption, listening without providing a solution, and listening without stealing the stage. So if you're not familiar with what each and every one of those are, we'll be going through them. And you can join us also on Fridays for the Listening Mentor Show, starring my co-host, Caroline Heward, the Harley Street Stress Expert. Today on our show is someone who's very special. She's actually the star of the book, and her name is Caroline Heward, the Harley Street Stress Expert. Let's find out about her animal character and why she agreed to do this project. Welcome, Caroline. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you with a different view. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. By the way, I just want to mention your name came up this morning on the Art of Mental Health Wellness. And we met another Harley Street uh, expert. Her name is Sarah Ellis. So she said she just saw you at a party. So the world is so small. Ah, oh, right. (laughs) There you go. Yes. So you are there in London and you help people bust their stress. You have a very full schedule, really helping people find ways to live the best quality of life that they can. And when I approached you and I asked you if you would like to be involved in this project, The Amazing Adventures of Lady Ella, the Listening Mentor, you were very interested. Tell us why elevated listening is so important to you personally as well as professionally. 
personally, I realized that it was about listening to myself. And I had struggled with stress uh, and depression and at times anxiety during my time uh, in, my, in my corporate days and in my childhood and didn't know how to solve it because I wasn't listening to my body. And I pushed it down and just got on with things. And because I wasn't listening, others weren't listening to me either. And so when I saw this opportunity to be involved in a children's book, I thought it was ideal from my perspective, because if I'd have known more when I was young and understood the importance of listening to my body, to how it was responding to things, I would have been a much healthier child and a much healthier young adult. And to that end, I wanted to be part of educating young children about how to be better listeners to themselves and to others. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And, and Caroline, you and I know we have so much fun on Fridays on the Listening Mentor Show, just discussing relationships and, and various scenarios and role plays. So you and I are both passionate about listening. I'd love us to just delve into those four behavior patterns that we fall into that really are key signs that we're not listening at an elevated level. So let's just have a chat about them. Then we're going to talk about the owl, Waitara, and we're going to get a little bit more into the book. So I mentioned at the beginning, these four behavior traits that uh, I don't want to say all of them drive me crazy, but the one that really gets my back up is when people are providing solutions. So what do I mean by this? I call you up on the phone. I'm having a chat with you. I'm just sharing with you what's happened. And all of a sudden, you launch in with a solution. But I didn't ask you for a solution. Why are you giving me one in this hypothetical? It's because when you're listening to somebody in a state of stress or in a state of not feeling like they're looking like they're not in control of the situation, the immediate response, our human behavior is to help them. And so that's why we come at it with a solution, because we don't genuinely want to see that person suffer. But while we're coming up with a solution, what it also means is that we're, we're missing out on what they're actually saying, their full story. I've had um, people say to me when I've launched in with, oh, well, if you just do this, and that'll be related to this because of the work that I do. Um, and it is really easy to do when you're seeing somebody suffer so much. And they will turn around and say, listen, just listen to me. I just want to let tell you everything before you say anything. Listen to me. You're not listening. And when they say that, they're saying it very aggressively because they've got a story to tell. And some people like to give you all the detail. And then you find out when they finish their story, they've actually found their solution. But they didn't want your solution. They just wanted to tell you their story because they're proud of where they've got to and what they've done in terms of solving their problem. But they like to give you all the detail. So it's important to listen compassionately to the other person 
And we don't want to genuinely see another human being suffering. Brilliant. I love that answer. Thank you. And of course, everything we're doing today, we're going to tie back to the book. So you haven't read the book yet because we haven't released it. But what is central to the book is the fact that something happens and each of the animal characters comes up with their own idea of what the solution is and how to fix it. And none of them actually communicate with each other to find out, hey, what did you think about that? Or what were you thinking about it? So I feel like if we were taught at an early age to be fully present without the pressure of coming up with a solution, right? We know that men historically feel that they are dealt with that responsibility of providing a solution for their frail woman who just can't make any decisions for themselves and they need Sir Lancelot to come along or Prince Charming. But yet we don't need someone to make a solution for us. We just want someone to listen. So as children, if we were taught that in your expertise as a therapist, wouldn't that make a huge difference in terms of not picking up behavior traits that we have to undo later? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. And it's because we're generally in a society that is solution driven. You know, I've got a tummy ache. Oh, you better go and see the doctor. I don't feel well. I've got a temperature. Well, let me take the temperature. So we're in that scenario where there's something that's going wrong. So problem, there must be a solution without the person having the, the space to share well, I don't feel very well because I'm worried about my exams. And that used to be me when I was young. I was always frightened of not doing well. And I would get all the anxiousness about the lead up to the exams, not feeling that I was going to do well in the exam. And so I would study harder and make myself more anxious and more stressed. And, and that caused reactions in my body. And I'm sure that many young children have the same thing going on, that things happen, they start to experience things and they don't know what to do with the emotions and feelings that they're experiencing. Because in school, we're not taught to understand how to deal with our emotions and feelings and what means what. And so we suppress them. And when we suppress them, the first place we're not listening is ourselves. Mm, always fabulous spot on points. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the second of the four. This one is what I call the dreaded stage hogging, where you start to tell me a story and my story is better. It's more interesting. I just cut you off mid-sentence when you're telling me something about you because I've got a better story. How are you left feeling, Caroline, when I just take that stage from you? Well, the word that comes to mind is upstaged, <laughs> literally upstaged and kind of almost left with my mouth open going, oh, <laughs> you know, I wanted to, I didn't kind of get my, you know, my conclusion into my story and you just hijacked, you know, that's the other word I would use, hijacked the space, hijacked and you upstaged me. And so you are left feeling aghast and a gag with, oh, I just want to just finish this so that you understand there was some relevance and meaning behind it. And yet, you know, the 
the upstaging of someone else diminishes your light. And it's not good because it leaves you feeling uncomfortably uncomfortable and exposed that you weren't listened to, that only part of what you were saying meant that they could then leap into their own story. So you didn't find the space to conclude. And therefore, wouldn't you say that you don't feel that the other person values you? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. That so I just up you. <laughs> but to also to your earlier point, it might have literally nothing to do with you. It has to do with them and their own insecurity. And I hate to say it. I saw it on this platform last week. I know. And we were on a show, not ours. We were on, I was on another show with someone and the guest was speaking and I could see the co-host was leaning forward, couldn't wait until the guest stopped speaking so that that person could zoom in with their story. And I just sat back and watched and I thought, this is what we do. We all do it. As soon as that person heard some trigger word, I'm going to say, that triggered a story or a memory, they stopped listening. And that's what we're trying to get parents, family members, caregivers, teachers to be aware of so that when we have children who are impressionable, we can give them that tool to understand you can just listen fully. You're not in a competition with the other person. And I feel like that's where we get the train going off the track, competing with one another for airtime, so to speak. What are your thoughts? I love that airtime, <laughs> that description <laughs> of it. That's just so cool. When I was doing my training in, um, in speaking, one of the things that we were training is uh, stage time is airtime. You know, so when we were speaking, we were really promoting ourselves. And that's that's so true that when we're upstaging and staging our voice and not listen to the other voice, the other person's, we're then from a certain perspective, not feeling inside valued. And so we have to find the stories to value who we are, to get that airtime, to look better. Um, because there's an insecurity that's going on inside. If somebody turns around and says after they finish their story, so what do you think about that? Has that ever happened to you? That's kind of your cue then to come in with something that might be relative, really relational to what they've said. And rather than just launching in with your story, because it might be that the person has more to share and you're not open to that sharing and that listening. You're closed because you have your own agenda. There it is, the old agenda that people aren't necessarily upfront with what's going on or why they're having a conversation with you or, or what's going on in their own life. But when someone is an elevated listener like yourself and you listen to people for a living, you know how important it is. If you had clients giving you feedback that you cut them off 
or you're over talking or double talking or, or any of these other terms, you wouldn't be in business because people would say, hey, I already know I'm not being heard at home and now I'm going to hire you. So you know exactly what it takes to listen at an elevated level. And that's what we're talking about today. So we've talked about two of the four. We're going to finish the last two and then go on to White Tara. So the next one is interrupting. And this is, this is actually subtle sometimes. It could just be a, a nod of the head. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Or it could be something more dramatic. Well, but I, uh, <laughs> the person cannot finish the end of the story. Do you feel that this one is not as much, I hate to use the word, but I will, a red flag slash violation as the other two that we've discussed? Or do you think this one can just be downright annoying? I think that when somebody's, and it's important to have perspective, I think when somebody's kind of nodding or go, mm -hmm, yeah, uh, that's their way of showing you that they are listening. And at times when that's overly done, uh -huh, yeah, mm -mm, yeah, mm -mm, yeah, 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 well, yeah, if they're doing that, then they're definitely not listening. Um, so, because they're too busy with making sure that you know that they're listening. And so there is a fine line, you know, to draw in terms of how annoying it will be. But if somebody's going to, you know, trying to get in, then that is that big red flag. So th there is, you know, degrees of somebody doing this interruption type behavior that um, I've actually had uh, in the past. I've been in a call and I've been listening and silent and I've had the uh, feedback. Are you still there? Are you listening? Are you still there? You haven't gone, have you? The line hasn't gone dead. And before I've actually got in, they've said all those questions. Said, yes, yes, I'm still here. I'm listening. And, and so it's, you know, it's horses for courses. It has to be taken with, you know, what's going on. If it's very overt, then that's because the other person is waiting, trying to get in with their, their bit, you know, so that they can feel their level of importance. Yes, I love everything that you said. And by the way, we know when someone's not listening to us, don't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we and do. we feel it. We leave that, that interaction with the person thinking to ourselves, wow, Susie was not listening to me at all. And I feel, I'm just going to say my own personal feelings, once that happens on a regular basis, Susie is off the list of people that I am getting together with. <laughs> Bye-bye, Susie. Bye-bye. Because Susie and I are not on the same page. The way I really feel that a good exchange is, and I'd love your professional opinion on this, is let's say you and I get together, we're doing something. You start and you share. I listen, then I share. You listen, then you share. And then it's it's sort of just like a back and forth, like a almost like a ping pong match, you know, it goes back and forth, back and forth, as opposed to one person holding court and standing on their soapbox unless they ask specifically for the opportunity to have your undivided attention to discuss this one special subject. 
and sometimes that's a really that's a really good cue you know to say something like do you mind if i share xyz with you i feel that it might be interesting after what you've just said you know and that way you know that's a permission thing would you mind would you would you um i would love to share is that okay because then you're getting permission because the other person might not want to hear what you have to say and might be only interested in where they are and what's going on for them. And I frequently see forums um, of people that are therapists and themselves and experts in what they do. So peer forums who, uh, who share something that's going on for them or member of their family. So, so they share something personal, a personal struggle. And there's one person in particular that I can think of that actually says, uh, please um, refrain as usual by not sharing your expert solutions. Uh, just giving me your, your love, your compassion is great. I don't really need your solutions. And I feel that that's because that particular person I'm thinking of is coming from an extraordinary elevated level of listening. Yes, yes, thank you so much. Let's move on to the last one and then we will circle back about the book. The last one is judgment. I say something like here people are voting for the midterms and maybe you're Republican, maybe you're a Democrat, maybe you're independent. And all somebody has to say is how they feel about a certain hot topic, hot issue. And you can see people just glaze over or become infuriated. She's what? She feels how? And all of a sudden they just checked out. And I feel like this is the one where so much anxiety and anger comes from judging someone else. Why can't people be entitled to feel how they feel? And we listen to various perspectives. We don't have to agree, but we certainly don't have to isolate or put somebody in this perceived box and then throw the box away because they're not in alignment with what we think. How do you feel about it? There's been a lot of that, hasn't there? <laughs> a yes, lot of judgment, certainly in this last, very public judgments um, in this last uh, three years. You know, we've had um, all sorts of things that have been right at the forefront where people have been on opposing sides and lost their tempers and um, block, block them and unfriended them and all sorts of things. Because... When you do that, when you go into a place of judgment, I'm right, you're wrong. Nobody's right and nobody's wrong. Everybody is right for themselves through their own filters of the way that they see and experience the world. So there is no wrongs. There is only right in that person's mind, their, their being and their filters. So if you make somebody wrong and you say, that's not right, this is right, that's just like reducing everything to a math solution, you know, uh, where there can only be one right answer. This is not, these are shades of gray. And so there's not one right answer, one size fits all, because we're all different and having different experiences. My mum used to say to me when I was young, uh, she said, there's three topics that you never, ever 
um, discuss or you have an argument about. Two of them was politics, religion, and the last one was war. And I was, I was being very careful to mention that because it's very topical right now. And it moves people to their sides, you know, like this is, and that person loves to be right. And the other person is right as well. And you'll never convince or persuade or dissuade. And this is where you get the judgments and the arguments of the I'm right, you're wrong. There is no wrongs. There's only what's right for you personally. I love the way you summed that up. Thank you. So we have discussed those four behavior traits. And now I want to talk about the book you shared about why you wanted to be involved with the project. Let us know how you decided on White Tower, the Owl, and what does it represent for you? Well, I have a thing for owls. Um, in fact, I've had a few friends that have come around to see me um, who I've studied with and uh, appears, you know, friends from uh, the circle of my therapy world and my spiritual therapy world. And the comments that have been made are, you have a lot of owls around here. Have you got a thing for owls? <laughs> I said, yes, I have. I didn't realise, you know, that I got an owl clock. I've got an owl statue, an owl snow globe. You know, I've got owls in different guises all over the place. I've got even an owl in the kitchen that's stuffed that was given to me by a very dear friend. And so what is it about owls? When I was really, really young, I used to follow and religiously listened attentively to Winnie the Pooh and his adventures. And I fell in love with the owl and how the owl showed up and represented the owl for wisdom, for purity, for the owl that knew everything, the sage, the person, you know, the, the, the animal with, that listened to everything and then look to everything in a place of wisdom without judgment. And I just thought it was amazing. And I grew up with Winnie the Pooh. And so the owl was really, really important for me in terms of I was always interested to hear what the owl had to say when Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore and Tigger too had their adventures. And so in choosing White Tyra, White Tyra is purity. White is pure. Purity of wisdom, purity of healing, a self-healing journey, and purity of being, seeing everything without judgment, and then moving into a place of discernment, discernment of making decisions, having the information all at hand and presented in a way that's not from a filter or a judgment place, but seeing everything from all sides and being the wise one, the wisdom keeper, the sage. And I somehow felt that over the years, I've been that eternal student of study. And no matter what challenges I have had, I've always turned to study what the challenges have brought up for me so that I can become more conscious in terms of that particular challenge and grow more wisdom. So I grow more healing in, in terms of the way that I am showing up in the world. 
and that's my, been my journey throughout my entire life. Ever since I left school, I've continued and will continue. And so Tara, like Tara, the owl, is the purity of wisdom and healing. And that kind of sums me up really in terms of who I am being and how I show up in the world. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can definitely see how you and White Tower the Owl have so much in common. And believe it or not, I have a little surprise for you that I that completely just came out of nowhere. I want to welcome you to meet. <laughs> 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 hello, hello. <laughs> That's hilarious. Doesn't have any wings. This is actually in my studio. This owl is looking at me every day. And I was like, oh, hello. Bye for now. Bye-bye. So <laughs> that's so funny. So you have a thing with owls too. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, so I want to go back to the book for a moment. So in the book, as you see here, I wish we could zoom in, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up this other image. Let's see if we can see it a little bit better. We see you here on top of this tree overlooking a fence. And we see the fence is actually divided into two segments. And then we see a gentle farm with a cow. We see a ladybug and then we see other animals on the other side. So you're basically able to see, if you will, I'm using air quotes, into both worlds, the world of the farm animal and the world of the forest animal. Anything you'd like to add into that in terms of the wisdom that you bring in general as an owl? to other animals. Because I see everything, it's then easy for me to decide, um, make decisions based on everything that I see versus only seeing part of the story. If you only see part of the story, like sort of only one side of the fence or the other side of the fence, or you just see your bit, only your bit where you're residing, and you don't see above you, below you, or to the side of you, then you've only got your bit that you're seeing. So how can you make decisions when you only see only part of the story, only part of the problems that are going on? And in that elevated position of being in the tree, White Tara can see everything. And she then draws the wisdom from what she sees in terms of the behaviors of all the animals without judgment and then can actually see who needs what from a sage perspective from the perspective of seeing all without judging and then when she's asked be able to make some real real detailed listening advice from the place of seeing everything Wow, I love how you just laid it all out for us. That was beautiful. So for people who are just joining us and they're trying to understand what is this book about, this book is about life. It doesn't have to be animals, but in this case it is because children relate to animals. There's a fence. 
there are self-imposed boundaries. There are real boundaries in life. And we judge people on the other side of that fence. And when we're judging, we're no longer listening. And we have White Tower of the Owl up in the tree and can see both sides, the farm animals as well as the forest animals, seeing things that the others on the ground, so to speak, are not seeing. Also in this visual, let me bring it up again. We see that there is a ladybug and her name is Lady Ella. And Lady Ella is my great niece. She just turned one years of age. And for Halloween, she dressed as a ladybug, by the way. It's hilarious, unrelated. Um, so what I wanted to share about this is that Lady Ella is very close to White Tara. And White Tara gives a lot of guidance to Lady Ella about what's going on here in this community. And that's how life is as well. You have a community and some people are inside the community. Others are outside. They're on the fence. They haven't decided that they want to go in or not. And then you have people who are not involved in the community whatsoever. And I think there's a lot of gossip that can be, you know, brought about and people not on the same page because they don't understand. And we even can look different from someone else. One animal looks different than another. And we start making judgments about others because they don't look the same. Tell us more about this from a therapist perspective, this need to ostracize others because they don't look like us or they don't act like us. I'd like to bring in a, a story just to represent that um, as a children's story called The Ugly Duckling. I don't know whether you remember it um, as a child. Do you remember it? Sure, yes. And it's based very much on this principle that the duck wasn't, if I remember correctly, <laughs> wasn't a swan, looked different. And because the duck looked different, felt that he was ugly and actually it was just that he was different and we're all beautiful in our own way but when we see that we're different from other people we then start to judge ourselves that we're not good enough not beautiful enough not handsome enough and can't walk the same way as somebody with as an animal with four legs walking on two legs, it's different. And so when we're in that space of comparing and contrasting one person against the other, one animal against the other, therein lies the path to insanity, because this is what makes our universe, that we are different, collectively different, and yet we come together for one purpose, to live to share, to grow, and to experience life from the filters and perspective of how we see and how we listen and how we experience through our own filters. And so when we do compare and contrast ourselves with another, we will only ever feel inferior because we're always looking for the great stuff that's about that person rather than looking at what perhaps is not so great. And if you are on the judgment side, you'll be looking for all the things that are not great about that person. And then that will infuse all that not so great stuff in you too. Wow. Woo! I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so Carolyn, I'd love to 
bring this show full circle as we come to the end. If someone out there is raising children or they have some kind of responsibility in the caregiving of young adults and children, what are some things that, and I'm gonna ask you a two-part question. What are some behaviors other than what we discussed today that could be a warning sign that the child is not paying attention, which could be indications of other issues or other challenges, but what should parents look for in their child's behavior that might be a signal that something's going on? That's the first question. And then the second question is, what are some things that parents can do now, regardless of how old their child is, unless they're 59 or something like me, um, to help them be a better listener? If the child looks distracted, so you're talking to your child and they're distracted doing something else. Um, when I was young, my mum used to say that I was a bit of a daydreamer. You know, I'd always be gazing out the window or, you know, sort of I'd be in my head in fairy tale land. Um, and you don't know what the child is thinking, but they're not there and they're in a place of escape. So it's important to bring the child because children are usually very present. And the reason that they're in their imagination or they're in, you know, fairy tale land or distracted is because they're not comfortable in terms of where they are. And so from that perspective, if they're distracted and not there, it's important to make sure that they're doing activities that are that are good for them to be in. So what they enjoy to bring them back so that they are present in their body. Otherwise, this will be a distraction mechanism that will move into their adulthood. Um, what we can do as adults to have um, better listening skills for the child, and I've seen this so often, um, when an adult talks to a child, the adult is their full height and the child is kind of around their knee um, or maybe a little smaller or maybe a little taller. And when you're speaking down to the child, the child feels threatened, inferior, challenged, and it's very difficult to hear from that place, especially if they are having a challenging time or they're having some issues in terms of stress. So my invitation is to bring yourself down to the height or the level of the child. So there is not such a big gap between you and them. And from that place, they will feel that you can actually see each other eye to eye and they will feel more connected to you and more able to listen to what you have to say. Well, there you go, folks. You just heard it from the expert. Thank you so much, Caroline. That was fabulous. And how do people reach out to you? And do you work with parents? Do you work with children? Do you work with families? How, how do you really see your, yourself as providing service and value to others? I do work with uh, with children, um, providing the, the family, the parents have uh, agreed it. Um, and working with children, I actually work with the parent if they're very young, um, because it's it's appropriate that they are there in that um, in that space to hear what's going on. 
um, so that they can be part of the child's healing and part of the solution going forward. Um, and I do work with parents on their own. So it depends on how you want to work with me. Um, the other thing is sometimes when the parent is struggling or suffering with some stress or unresolved issues, and we're all human, we have them going on, the children pick them up. So sometimes if we solve our own challenges, that will then mean that that will almost at times solve the child's problems as well, because the child is responding to your stress and your anxieties. Thank you, Carolyn. And what is the best way for people to get in touch with you to, to have a session, to hire you, to just reach out and know that somebody at your level with your professionalism and expertise is there to help them? You can reach me on no more stress at live.co.uk uh, by email. Uh, giving me a little bit of background and telling me uh, what the challenges are so that I am at first in terms of uh, making sure that I can help you quickly and the best way. Um, or you can call if you're international, plus 44. Uh, if you're local, and I'm in London, in England, 07523 120189. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been another fun show filled with information. I hope you and our audience have seen the value that Caroline provides. Again, join us on Fridays for the Listening Mentor. And Caroline's one of our expert presenters on Talking Heads. She's got some really great content that she's been sharing on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. British summertime. So thank you, Caroline, and thank you, everybody, for being here. Our next show is coming up. It is the business talk show with Mr. Al Sini, and we actually have two guests today. So they're not aware of it, but they will be soon. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thanks, Caroline. Bye, <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye.